0: Hi, I'm Jasmine, and I'm Lydia, and
1: you're listening to Infertility Sisters. Follow us, just two everyday friends, as we
0: navigate our way through trying to conceive. We are right here with you. Welcome back everyone to episode 5. We will start with our weekly update. So I'll kick us off this week. I've had the phone consult with BP, so last week, episode the update I gave was that we had been for our initial consultation with him and we were going off to get some further testing so we've done that further testing and we had our consultation with him over the phone just this past week which gave us some good information so Brent's ultrasound was fine it didn't show anything which is what we're kind of expecting because when he got the ultrasound done the technician said that everything kind of looks to be okay and his hormone tests which i can't to be honest i can't remember what hormones they were and what they all met perfectly but um, basically what it had showed that his testosterone levels are good but it did show that there was something that was preventing something happening to his production of his sperm there was nothing that we could take to medicate him because his testosterone levels were good it just it seems as though that there potentially was some kind of trauma to them which Brent has no knowledge of at all (laughs) which is really really interesting but it did show that there's unlikely to be anything we can do for it. So again, on to IVF is kind of reconfirming that. The interesting thing that came out of it, which I've been kind of navigating through in the last couple of days, is my AMH level, which is the ovarian reserves. It it slowly declines as you age. Can't remember what the healthy range is for our age, early thirties. I think it was something in the like late twenties, early thirties.
1: Uh, mine is 18 and that was in the normal range
0: okay so higher I mean lower than I thought
1: I'll just do some really professional googling (laughs) here we go green zone so probably 15 and over I'd say it's about is in the green zone for fertility being good and then kind of 15 down to just under five yeah is kind of the orange zone where you have less
0: chance of getting as many eggs, yes. ultimately. Yes, yeah, that's right. So mine was at 13, so he was saying, you know, it was just below that green zone, the, the zone that they would like. And he did say, controversially perhaps, that yeah. <laughs> in the next year, a year and a half, he would see it going down to 10 so I don't know how that works, but that seems pretty quick to me. But yeah, we we have kind of you know through our discussions with acupuncturist, uh, we do know to be a little bit skeptical of the AMH, and it's not like a, it's not telling you about your egg quality. It's just potentially telling you how many eggs you may have left remaining. But yeah, it do, so it doesn't mean that IVF isn't going to work or it's going to be harder or I need to go and do it next month. But it does potentially mean that I will hit menopause earlier than the average, some, than yeah. the average person yeah. but only yeah. was obviously only slightly below so it's not yeah. not a huge concern but it was kind of a surprise it did take me by surprise because there was you know no I haven't had anything yet come back about me really <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um, I, I was surprised I, I said to you I didn't even consider that your AMH might be low yeah yeah
0: yeah I mean it does kind of now that I think back to what um the doctor said when he was doing the internal scan of me looking at my ovaries he did say that he thinks that my amh would be i can't think if it was like average or kind of like okay like he didn't say like oh this is gonna like amazing you've got so many follicles here it was like okay you know there's there's enough there so yeah so that's that uh, was the results of our tests and now we just really have to decide what to do so so we are on the public waiting list, and that the moment we're getting an indication that we're about a 20-month wait, so we did tell the doctor that we are keen to go for a private round, and thankfully we are lucky enough to be able to support ourselves through it. I mean, it's really coming off our wedding fund at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> and... We were asking about the timing of that and so he was recommending that we do get started straight away on it. He just thought now we're um, recording this at the mid-October and he thinks that I kind of need to get started now before Christmas um, if I'm going to do it before Christmas. So yeah, we've been trying to work out decide what to do the timing of my cycles are coming up we've got you know a couple of trips away in november so like november's not going to work for us december my period's due around christmas time so it's kind of this cycle or we're looking at probably february time so yeah we're trying to trying to make the call at the moment of shit do we do this in two weeks time do we start or do we give ourselves a few months there's something we can do in the few months is really focus on brent's health and get him well supplemented he has been taking supplements this whole time but just focus even more on it have a really good focus on nutrition just so that we do get the best possible sperm obviously i'll be focusing on my health as well so yeah there's it's it's a big call to make it we don't want to rush into it but equally i'm like why wait yeah, yeah if we're putting it off for four months which is realistically we will next, next be able to try what really are we going to achieve in that time. So yeah, that's where we're at. Another thing I just wanted to mention because I don't think I made it very clear when I was talking through my my story in the, the previous episode was about how long we've been trying for. So I'm actually at the 11th cycle of trying, which I think goes to show that... If you, because I had done so much work on my cycle before we started trying and have been really advocating for myself and really in tune with my body and wanting to do all the tests, it shows how you can get on to this quicker. I think if we had kind of just, if I had, I mean, I did go to my doctor and she said, you know, wait a year and come back to me. So if I did wait that year, I'd be coming back to her in a month's time and saying, hey, we're still not pregnant. And we wouldn't have done all these last few months of testing. So it would have put us behind all that time when really there's an issue that is preventing us. I think it's so different if you've got obvious things wrong with you. Your cycle isn't, it's showing some irregularities. Really kind of keen to get the message out there that you don't have to wait that full year of trying. Like there are things you can be doing, you know, if you're, the thing is, it depends how serious you are about wanting to conceive, right? And like conceive at this time. If you're way more relaxed about and you know just when it will happen it will happen and okay yep if we get to a year and then we have to go looking into the stuff we can but I was very much like I want this to happen now so (laughs) what can I do to figure out why it's not happening so yeah so pretty crazy that we're I'm not really at a year and we're already potentially looking at doing IVF I think One thing that the doctor also took on board was that I hadn't actually been on any contraception for three years, and that I think that did kind of feed into his diagnosis as well because I didn't know what I know now about my cycle. We potentially weren't being perfectly careful in that time because we were in a stage of life where, okay, like we weren't planning on it for it to happen but it could have happened yeah. and we would have been okay with it so that all did kind of feed into his diagnosis and
1: yeah things like that heavy heavy stuff and head decisions to make. Now. <laughs> yeah
0: it's really hard really hard to make these calls because you do want to be in a good headspace when you go into it but i just think For my mental health, I feel like you know, the more we delay it, the more I worked up. I potentially am going to get about it, but then equally, I think Brent probably does need some time to really work through it in his head about you know what exactly we are getting ourselves in for, how much money we're putting into this for a potential negative result, the strain that it will put on us as well. So it is a lot. It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, so at the moment, I mean, I guess I'll update you next time we do an episode, <laughs>
1: what I've, what we've decided to do. What if people will take waivers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'll update you next week. But yeah, what's been happening with you, Jess?
1: Um, so we have our phone consult this Tuesday with VP, mm-hmm. so I haven't been worried about it at all. I already know my AMH levels, which were 18, which are in the normal range. Yep. Because I did that before we went to them, yes. uh, so we had that information. But yeah, we.
0: So what results have you are you waiting? We're like, waiting what do you hear on about?
1: Really, just the ultrasound. Corey's mm-hmm. done his blood tests, and we followed up with that, and they came back saying that his um, testosterone and everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they can't supplement him with clomid or anything like that to help get them up. So yeah we're just waiting for ultrasound we've seen the ultrasound results we can't really interpret it but uh, it shows that there may be something there but with it, it's not it's not probably going to be something, that you, something that you can change yeah change so i'm expecting just right you're definitely doing ivf what do you guys want to do from mm-hmm. here which yeah i might be surprised we'll see mm. but uh, we're pretty comfortable still with where we sit so we'll just keep waiting for now i'll, I'll Oh, he probably won't know, but it'll be a good idea then to find out how the waitlist actually sits because we've been on it probably three months. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
0: Get a bit of an update. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Just see if you know it is still sitting at a long time to help us make decisions. But uh, one thing I didn't really talk about in my story is that Corey has been focusing on his health as much as he can mm-hmm. in the way of supplementation. We hadn't really been doing that before we got his first sample results back so he's taking men of it, which every doctor and everyone seems to recommend which seems to be good for the guy so he's taking that and he I convinced him to go to acupuncture <laughs> so where I go to acupuncture at Tahi in New Plymouth they have a male acupuncturist Jeff as well so took a few months to to get Corey there and he's been going he's gone six weeks now so oh. the kind of plan is to Supplement with what he's been taking Chinese herbs and stuff through that as well. And I mean, he's not loving it, but he's, mm-hmm. he's doing it, which I really appreciate because it is hard for guys to see benefits. Like I'm seeing, you know, benefits all the time, but yeah, it's true. really hard for guys to see the benefits. Yeah. So he's going and he's skeptical, which I completely understand. Mm-hmm. You know, we've looked and there's not a lot of evidence to say that it can improve it drastically, but you know, we had a good chat yesterday that. Something I hadn't thought about is he said what if we do improve it drastically and then we're no longer on the list for IVF but something's still happening and we can't get pregnant. He's like are we, yeah. are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Which is, it's, yeah I hadn't really thought of it from yeah. that perspective before. I've more been thinking that it's probably not likely we can increase his count but my focus has been in increasing the motility and morphology. Yeah so that when we do come so to the do, quality of that is yeah better. <laughs> yeah so that when we do come to do IVF that we have better sperm Corey struggles to understand that which I understand because in his mind there are some good ones there so yeah, you know what's exact, the point in having
0: more good ones this is exactly yeah. Brent's thoughts as well exactly yeah. the same it's just you know he's like well there's there's sperm there that's okay the doctors said that that they're okay to do IVF with yeah so What's the point of putting all this effort in? Yeah, yeah. and
1: it's money as well. Yeah, it is. We'll keep coming up on this because you put so much money in. I've been going to acupuncture for so many months and now Corey as well. We won't know. We will get him retested. He has a plan. He hasn't let me in on that plan, but he has a plan (laughs) you know, how long he wants to go for. There is a cycle of 30 days, sorry, three months, that sperm Mm -hmm. are reproduced, so we'll get him retested so that we can see whether it has been worth it, and then we'll go from there, but... Something else that I wanted to mention, which I've noticed in previous cycles, but I'm right in the midst of it at the moment, because I'm kind of towards the end, potentially, of my cycle, Mm -hmm. waiting for my period to come, is post-ovulation, I have really, really intense dreams.
0: My God, so do I. Yeah, so this might be something that everyone experiences, and it might
1: be something like, I've always had intense dreams, but not every night. And now that I'm taking so much notice of my cycle, I'm noticing it like I could tell you what I dreamt about for the whole night probably last yeah. night. Conversations and everything in my dreams, they're so vivid. Hmm. And it's, yeah, it's something that I'm now correlating to ovulation and especially the second half of the ovulation right. just before. So I guess, am I right, Progesterone is at yep. its highest. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just something that other people probably experience yeah and it is
0: funny it's not until you start charting these things we're kind of charting all our symptoms that we have all the time and so once you do have a few charts you can kind of see the the things that the common occurrences of when things are happening you know like even if it's like the bloating or cramping and things like that but yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, I've definitely been charting my dreams actually I've been charting them because Nicola told me to because Um. when I was having really bad sleep she was and I was like you know I'm just dreaming That's so vivid all the time she was like oh Make sure you chart them. And then, yeah, now I've gone back and looked at a few cycles. I was like, it's all, I'm like ovulating. It's yeah. around that time. Yeah. That's so vivid.
1: Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> There's going to be some. Like, yeah. Nicola, yeah, we did talk about it last week, but she wants me. She's like, are you dreaming? I was like, yeah, like I always dream. That's just yeah, my thing. Yeah. And she's like, okay, we need to stop this. Ah. Uh-huh. Like it's not, like there must be something
0: like that, a hormonal
1: imbalance of some sort. I don't know if she wants to stop it all the time, but just stop them from being so vivid. Especially
0: if they're disrupting your sleep, I guess. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: I guess just during that time I wake up a little bit more exhausted, like Mm -hmm. I haven't had as restful sleep. Yeah. yeah. It's just an interesting (laughs) fact that (laughs) I thought people might relate to. But yeah, this episode we're going to get more into. So last week we explained fertility awareness method, what that looks like, hopefully taught people things that then give a background. So now we kinda want to get into, right, you've decided to start trying for a baby. What do you do? What's what's the first steps to do So
0: excited to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) So excited. (laughs) Yeah, so it's all about fertility 101, what preparation to do before you start trying to conceive, when to have sex, what your cycles should look like, how you help sperm health, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, we've learned a lot along the way. It's kind of ironic that, you know, we're too infertile <laughs> people <laughs> telling you how to make a baby. <laughs> oh,
1: but... <the> hypocrisy. But... <laughs> no, we have learned so much and you you should hear the passion. From us this week because yeah it's, it's stuff that we should all know anyway so to be yeah. able to help people learn this it's pretty cool yeah enjoy so you want a baby now what for some people they have sex and they get pregnant but unfortunately, that isn't the case for everyone. Some people, it takes a little bit longer and a little bit more research. So today, we want to share with you what our top trying to conceive tips are
0: that we've learned over the last yeah. year or so. Because we've learned a lot. We've got a lot of knowledge. <laughs> and we want to we put it on you. Yeah. <laughs> Cave in it again, we're not experts. This is just what we've learned, like our opinions, like things we've picked up along the way. You do your own research, but hopefully this is a good starting point for a lot of people. Yeah
1: absolutely so I think the blaringly obvious thing is that if you are on birth control when you decide you want to start trying to conceive or if you're just in the mindset that you know you know you've talked with uh, your significant other and you want to have a baby in the near future then the first thing to really think of is your birth control while you're on it and if you can get off it
0: you know sooner rather than later mm-hmm There's a lot of research out there that does indicate that you should get off it a year before trying because it does... Because it depends how long you've been on it, but there is—it really does obstruct all your normal hormone production, and it it completely changes what the normal is. So there can be a lot of repair that you have to do for yourself coming off it. So yeah, it is just something to consider. And I think you know, not for everyone. You might just be comfortable with, look, we're just going to come off the pill and see what happens, and that that might work really well. But I think there's no harm that can come from coming off it earlier and just using other forms of non-hormonal birth control in that time and just getting to know your, your cycle a bit more
1: yeah definitely I um, I remember reading or listening to something A long time ago that said Your body as a young female First getting your period You mm. need a good probably solid two to three years Of having a regular cycle for your body To really make that coordination Between brain and ovaries And what happens regularly mm. So a lot of us probably get put on contraception Before we've had Yeah had probably three I definitely years. was Yeah I was too So it is I think, from my perspective now, with what I know, I wish I came off it earlier because I know that my body took a long time to understand what what it needed to do mm-hmm. again. So that's something to take into consideration. If you have had regular cycles and you off contraception and you knew what your body was like, then you might make a different decision when you come of when you come off it. But those are all things to to consider when you've decided you want to start trying for a baby.
0: I think focusing on the, obviously the optimal thing to do this is the real world we don't we yeah. don't all do this but the optimal thing to do is to really look at your and your partner's health in that three to six months before trying as well yeah. for sperm production that regenerates yeah. every three months yeah. so three months for them before you're starting to try that's going to give you your optimal sperm if their health is, is good in that three months prior to trying and obviously you know your health as well is it plays into your, your
1: egg quality yes even though we have all our eggs straight away we can control the quality of them and that again is three months prior as well so that's everything like yeah how much water you drink what you're eating how Mm -hmm. you're exercising that that all plays into your egg health as well so definitely things to look at your diet smoking drinking yes all those kinds of things
0: yep If you, I mean, if you Google, you know, what's what's good for optimal fertility, you'll see. Obviously, it's it's a lot of the no brainer things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the common sense
1: we all know for everyday health, anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: But you want to start tracking your cycle if you've come off birth control. If you don't understand much about tracking your cycle, what it's telling you, our previous episode, uh, fertility awareness method or FAM, uh, will be perfect for you to listen to. So, yeah, yeah really understand your cycle. That's going to be critical to if you do have any trouble getting pregnant to getting you
0: in the right direction yeah but also being able to use that to help you get pregnant as well so to understand you know when is the best time to try Yep. I think another thing is to get to your GP as well and just do just basic I think they call it like prenatal checks or
1: yeah I think something. they call it antenatal which Antal- makes no sense yeah to me. <laughs> that's what I
0: was just but thinking when I said no, it <laughs> it should be
1: prenatal checks but yeah, yeah they test lots of things like even sexually transmitted diseases yes because, it's a big one you know those things can cause infertility so you need to make sure that you haven't got them all be passed on to a baby and yeah. um, they test all those types of things but ask your doctor as well if they don't offer to t- Test your, as a female, your iron, your B12, and your hormones. So that'll be your day two of your cycle hormones and.
0: What they call day 21 day test 21, yeah, we'll talk about that soon. Yeah. So, but you're testing your progesterone as well, so just yeah. to understand that you are ovulating. Yeah.
1: Important thing to know is birth control can deplete absorption of nutrients, so it can have a really direct impact on your gut health, which has a huge impact on your hormonal health Mm -hmm. so for me personally my iron's always been low anyway but that's been low the whole time I've been on contraception but when I came off it I randomly had a drop in my B12 I don't know if I'd actually ever had it tested before but I was really fatigued and my iron was semi normal and so I pushed for a B12 the doctors seemed very puzzled why my B12 would be low for my age and lifestyle but in my research since then what I want to pass on to people is that it's actually got a direct correlation with being on contraception. Mm. So it is something that these things you want to get up and have as high as possible before you get pregnant. So it's really important to, to look at them as soon as you can and supplement then, knowing mm. what to supplement based on those results.
0: Yeah, and I think most people recommend taking a prenatal as well. So for both him and her or you know whoever's involved. And I think doctors will happily write you a script for folic acid yeah, maybe um, iodine
1: depending on yeah, your doctor yeah
0: maybe iodine but I would also say make sure you do your research into that because it is well known that folic acid potentially isn't what you want it's actually like folate is what you need you can find that in other in other places
1: so when we talk about supplements folic acid and folate comes into it a lot again we aren't experts so we can't recommend anything but if you're comfortable taking what the doctor prescribes then I'm sure that that is fine Mm -hmm. but if you're someone that just likes to know that you're doing the best thing and by doing your own research rather than uh, doing what a a GP tells you then do your own research and you can find more well rounded prenatals that have folate or folic acid in them depending Mm -hmm. on what you want Uh, we talked previously about Minivit which and all my research has come back glowing reviews from doctors, nutritionists and acupuncturists. All of it doesn't have the same reviews so yes. uh, and it's really expensive. So yeah. this journey is kind of, a can bit be of an, expensive a bit
0: of an overhyped supplement that one. Yeah mm. yeah
1: So do your own research into it. We can't recommend. hopefully one day we can get someone on that can talk in more detail and recommend things. but yeah, we can't go down that track, but besides do your research.
0: Another important thing is to really track and understand your cycle and start to understand if it isn't normal, especially for optimal for conceiving, being able to see if, if you're ovulating, like how your periods are, all this can play a lot into your potential fertility. And how easy you might find it to conceive. So yeah, I'd recommend listening to our previous episode on the fertility awareness method. And also just doing a lot of research yourself. Once you kind of know what your the length of your period or the length of your luteal phase, which we'll go into more detail soon. But understanding all that, if it's not within the normal range or something like that, you know that you then can look into that further.
1: Yeah, or on the other hand, it could help you relax a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's true, not a lot of nice word that we like in the in this community. But <laughs> your early stages and you're learning your cycle it can give you some good confirmation that yep. things are working well and yeah, just mm-hmm. relax you a little bit when you're starting out.
0: Yeah. One thing I would say is, we did touch on this again in the previous episode, but relying on those apps where it uses just prediction from your previous cycles to predict your fertile window, I would say start looking more into the fertility awareness method um, rather than relying on those apps, just because it could mean that you end up missing your fertile window, and therefore pretty much just chucking a month of trying down the drain. Yeah, (laughs)
1: absolutely, I mean... I'm sure all sex is good sex, but when you're trying to conceive <laughs> sex during your fertile window is critical and really important and you can feel really disheartened if you realise you had it at the wrong time. So Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. important. Now this may seem really silly and basic but learning our cycles, understanding them isn't really things we get taught at school. We mm. get taught at school that we could get pregnant all the time. That's true. Constantly.
0: Beware, why, yeah. <laughs> you might walk down the street and you might end up pregnant <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're going to yeah, talk about the real basics of periods Which might not seem basic to a lot of people But this mm-hmm. is important information to know So there are four phases of your cycle Day one is, or well, from day one is your menstruation Or your period You then go to your follicular phase Then you hit ovulation And then you go to your luteal phase or your day's past ovulation, depending how people
0: refer to it. And so that time between your period and ovulation, so that is the follicular phase and that is the length of that is different for every every person. The standard day fourteen ovulation, like you've probably heard that, if you Google what day do I ovulate, you know, it will come back and say, Oh, you day you ovulate day fourteen and a twenty eight day cycle. That's the normal cycle. I mean not many people actually have a 28 day cycle nice. it's not as common as it's as you're led to believe yeah. and so yeah based on that follicular phase is as I said different when you ovulate that then determines how long your cycle will be because the next phase the um, luteal phase so that's from when you ovulate until the start of your next period that is generally around 12 to 14 days for everyone like for a healthy luteal phase that's what it should be in that range so you can start to understand once you know when you're ovulating you can start to understand okay what my normal luteal phase length is so between that 12 and 14 days and then prior to that then you can get an understanding of what it means in terms of the length of your overall cycle.
1: Yeah and the luteal phase is actually quite important it might not feel important because you've ovulated you've hit that milestone and then you're just waiting for your period or a positive pregnancy test but it is really important because that time past ovulation is when if you are pregnant is when implantation happens so when the embryo implants if your luteal phase is too short, meaning your period comes quite quickly after your ovulation, mm-hmm. even if a sperm meets an egg and they do create an embryo, it can just wash out with your period. So it doesn't get that chance to implant into your uterus. So it is really important to make sure. I haven't really heard much about long luteal phases, but yeah. really focused on the fact that it's not too short. So it's really important to understand that part as well.
0: Yeah. And generally, your, your general cycle should be between somewhere around, I'd say, probably like 25 to 35 days, right? Yeah. Um, a little bit, you yeah. know, can obviously be a bit different end-to-end, and, you know, you find out what your normal is, but for a healthy cycle, it should be around that time.
1: Yeah, and not have not being within those normals doesn't mean you can't ever get pregnant. No. Things happen, if you're still ovulating, there is still a chance that you get pregnant, so even if you figure out your cycle's not quite working the normal, and I say in quotations, yeah, then you know don't give up hope. keep trying because yeah I've seen lots of people that get pregnant at different stages of their cycle than they expected to yeah
0: so when do we know we're fertile and when do we actually have sex
1: well it can be quite hard so something I touched on before is as a female we are actually born with all of our eggs whereas males develop sperm once they hit puberty and they're fertile until they die so we're fertile from puberty to menopause they're fertile from puberty T- forever yeah. so timing sex from the female part is, is the important part because the males can get someone pregnant any day of the week yes. nothing stopping them from that unless there's fertility issues yes. there so it is yeah really important to understand that first of all when it comes to timing sex
0: yeah and so I think the so the key thing here is that you need to understand when you're fertile, so that you know when you need to have the sperm yeah. <laughs> to be able to create the baby. but the thing is is that one big thing to note is that sperm can live in your fertile cervical mucus so it can live inside you for up to five days. So even though you ovulate and that egg only lasts around that 12 to 24 hours, your fertile window is bigger than that. It's, you know, around that five to seven days because the sperm can live inside you for that long. Yeah. So that is your fertile window purely for that reason. If the men, you know, the sperm wasn't anything to do with it, you would only be fertile for 12 to 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. So, I think- so it's
1: the days leading up to... You ovulating—that's critical when you time sex and the day after ovulation. A yep. lot of people talk about so yep. having a, having sex not it having sex every <laughs> two days. If you go to a doctor and you ask, they will tell you to go have sex every two days of your cycle.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that is actually such a good point. They yeah, do say that. That's
1: what they advise. Yeah that can get really old really quickly
0: um. <laughs> um, and like just a lot of pressure on you know yeah. like when you've got life happens you've got events on people travel away like you yeah. know all sorts of things it's actually like really hard to make sure that you're doing it every two days and takes a bit of the fun out of it yeah so once you do know that you only do need to have sex every two days every day whatever you're comfortable with in that fertile window that is it means you've just got that shorter span of time where the pressure's kind of on yeah yeah. Other than that just do what you know, Yeah what's...
1: and I think it helps if you know that And you know when you need to have sex To make a baby Depending how long it takes you to get pregnant mm. It helps you keep a normal sex life Outside yeah. of your mm-hmm. fertile window, it's really important not to just have sex when you're fertile, yeah. and the sperm donor, <laughs> however that <laughs> may be, can feel used or however that experience is for you. It can be a really challenging time with communication as a couple. So, yeah. understanding that so that you can keep having sex outside of that without the pressure of
0: having it every two days, so that yeah. you get over it really quickly, is yeah, yeah is for really sure. important. I think one thing that I just can't get over is the fact that we as women we take this hormonal contraception and we're fertile for 12 to 24 hours every cycle and we're the ones that are taking something every day or having an injection that's preventing our periods from coming or having an you know an IUD in that completely blocks everything so it's preventing us from these sperm <laughs> that are out there they are fertile every single day we're only fertile for like that one day yet we're the ones that take on yeah. all of this and it's just it's another uh,
1: thing that you might get angry about when you start learning <laughs> yeah there's a few things that might make you a bit angry but this
0: is all powerful information to know yeah yeah I think one thing that I just love talking about <laughs>
1: Lydia's, Lydia's got a story so get comfortable <laughs>
0: um So when you are actually on the pill or on some kind of form of contraception that's giving you a period still. One thing that I learned through this journey is that it's not, and some of you might know this, but for me I was just like what the heck, is that um, when you have a period it's not actually a period at all it's just a withdrawal bleed, so like it's it's literally, it's not your body doing it's normal thing, and no. I, I just think I'm just like, oh my god, all those times I like took those sugar pills in the packets to get my to make myself have a period because I was like, oh no, it's good for me it's yeah. like, it's good for my body to still have a period, like I'm doing, it's doing it's normal thing yeah. i'm like making sure that my body is operating as it should that's what i thought so i'm sure many yeah. other people think that as well yeah and you know i thought if i skipped those sugar pills every month that i would be doing my body a disservice where in fact there's no reason why we need to be taking those sugar pills at all so one thing that i learned and i've heard this quite a few times in like the research i've done and the podcast i've listened to is that when they first developed the pill they didn't have a fake bleed And so they went out and they like did a trial with it. They gave it to lots of women and everyone on the trial was like, you know, the women got up in arms because they're like, oh no, like you've stuffed me up. I'm not having a period anymore. Like something's wrong with me. Or they, or, yeah, or they thought they were pregnant because they weren't having a period. So what the developers of it did is they were like, okay, well, instead of us, finding some other way that we can make them not fertile every day of the cycle, they were like, they had to come up with a way to convince women to take a pill each day when they weren't sick. Because, you know, if you think about it, like, we're taking a pill every day, like, there's nothing wrong with us. Yeah, why we're am we're I just... putting this into my body? <laughs> yeah, sick. Yeah. yeah. So they were like, okay, well, how can we do that where they know they're not sick? How do we convince them to take it and get them to take it that then stops their period? So... They pretty much, you know, went back to the drawing board and they changed it and then presented the pill in a way to mimic the natural menstrual cycle. So they added in that withdrawal bleed um, so that women believe that they're having this period and they... It like turns out that twenty eight day cycle pill pack that we take in reality it could be a hundred days it could be three hundred days yeah. it could be thirty days it could be anything it's they literally have just tried to do it to mimic it to our normal cycle so that we feel comfortable taking it
1: yeah to kind of convince women yeah. to take it and everything's just still okay just take mind. it it'll carry on as normal yeah take these pills for three weeks take these other ones for a yeah. week and everything's normal yeah, yeah yeah you just can't get pregnant
0: yeah so a bit of a tangent but I just thought you know like through all this stuff we've learned I was like I just can't believe that that isn't spoken about more and no I think it just it is just again having that understanding of what that pill is and that you're not having your normal cycle when you're on it and same with other form of hormonal contraception so you don't actually know what you you know you can't say oh I've got a really good period when I'm on the pill yeah. It's not a period. No. <laughs> and that's no indication of what it's going to be like when you come off the pill. No. If you, like, as someone that spots while you're on the pill, which I know a lot of people do as well, like, that's no indication of what you're going to be like off the pill. It's no. just, you're, yeah, you're just having a completely different yeah response to it. Yeah, it's not your
1: body's natural rhythm yeah. at all. So, after Lydia's story. <laughs> it is interesting, Lydia, don't worry. <laughs> We've said that the five generally five days sperm can stay alive in the female body. Mm -hmm. We've talked in our previous episode about fertile cervical mucus, so that's generally, the mucus is what keeps keeps them in there ready to go to the fallopian tube. So actually when I was at Fertility Associates, they explained something to me which I hadn't heard or seen anywhere else, is that, and why they want high sperm counts, is because your mucus might hold sperm in your cervix, wherever it holds it, and then... As you come to release an egg Your body sends signals out And your cervix will Release like 50,000, 100,000 Sperm at a time Ah. To make their way up to the fallopian tube So that's why you want high Quantities of sperms Because they need each other to get there Mm -hmm. Because they'll hit the side in your uterus and they'll die So they need, you know, the ones kind of in the middle They need those outer ones, the weaker ones To help them get there So that's why when we say Days leading up to you're mm-hmm. ovulating is when it's important really to be having sex because they do actually, the sperm do need to be in the fallopian tube at the time the egg is released to be able to create an embryo. So again, that's something that I was quite far into this knowledge and learning and research and that doctor gave me this insight that I didn't know because you think you just need one good sperm what does it matter really what the count and quality is but
0: yeah yeah, they all they all help each other and your mucus and your cervix play a in that as well and it also shows that once you've ovulated as well that that's it once your egg's released it's not like oh the two days following that that you're fertile still if you've got your ovulation day correct there's no chance of you getting pregnant after that
1: so it is still good to if you have a day that you think you release your egg ovulate each month and it's still good to have sex that day or the day after just in case there's any delay of any sort yes Um, for sure yeah absolutely because some if we have got good quality sperm Some will make it there quite quickly mm-hmm. So I think Lydia and I have both gone through different stages Of doing our research And going every second day in the Fertile window or every day yeah. Depending where you're up to it, There's no right or wrong Just as long no. as you're having lots of sex It can happen from having sex once Yeah, but of
0: course it can The I mean, more that's...
1: sex that you can have around the ovulation time The, the higher chance you have
0: Yeah and yeah, one interesting thing as well is that the outside your fertile window, so our vaginas are actually like naturally acidic, yeah. and sperm can't survive in those environments. So outside of our fertile window, when we don't have that mucus, our vagina is actively killing these sperm. Yeah. <laughs> so it like you know, it literally it shows again that there's just no chance of getting pregnant outside of that fertile window because yeah. our body's doing everything it can to <laughs> stop, it from yeah, just stop it. Yeah, to
1: stop it. Yeah. So the dreaded two-week wait what's actually happening in that time
0: yeah the two-week wait is something you'll become familiar with if you have been um trying to conceive for probably a few months yeah i think you're probably a little bit you know depending on how knowledgeable you are in your cycle but once you kind of do once it kind of hasn't happened for a few months then you start to be like okay i'm now I know when it should be, when I should potentially get that positive yeah. result. Yeah. So, this is what we call the two week wait, which is that time between your ovulating yeah. and you getting your period, which is like we said, around that's that luteal phase, so that's that 12 to 14 days. So, around that two weeks time, which is the time you find out if you were successful in getting pregnant. Yeah,
1: so that's uh, also if you start tracking, it'll be. Piloted on your apps as DPO, Days Past Ovulation yes. So we'll, you'll probably hear us talk a bit when we do our weekly updates Of being 7, 8, 9,
0: DPO. DPO
1: Something we both learnt quite recently Yeah Is that you really can't get pregnancy symptoms Yeah Until Seven days Seven days at the very earliest Yeah You, you likely, you could test them But you would if you were pregnant you'd get a negative Mm-hmm anyway
0: yeah Yeah. so implantation occurs like around that seven days post ovulation right
1: yeah seven to ten days yeah seven to
0: ten days yeah so I feel like this is just something that helped Jasmine and I kind of stress a less a lot less for a few extra days yeah (laughs) for a few extra days yeah because now we know it's like, okay, we've got sore boobs on four days post ovulation. It's like, okay, well come it down. We can't be pregnant. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's too nothing. early. <laughs> so once you kind of realize that, okay, it doesn't implant until like seven to ten days. Yeah. So that's when your H C G rises. So that's when that's what the pregnancy test detects for as well. So um after that implantation occurs and you know, of course that can range for every woman probably every cycle as well as to how quickly that happens but
1: it generally needs a couple of days after
0: implantation um,
1: implantation to get that hcg rise so mm-hmm. yeah you wouldn't want to start testing before 9 dpo
0: yeah and that's still pretty early it's still pretty like early. you know that can be where you're at risk of getting that false positive and so yeah you just have to decide whether you're okay with testing and getting a negative or what but i mean i my rule now for myself is to not test until 12 dpo but that also like changes now as well depending on what my temperature is doing or something else if i know i'm definitely not pregnant but i think i think everywhere you read it says the you should wait until your day no, of your, your miss period, period. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah because anything before that you could get a false positive pregnancy test
1: oh, and pregnancy tests um always reliable like blue dye ones they can give indents quite a lot mm. so you could be really stressing yourself up and winding yourself up for nothing so it is hard and you will do it like yeah. I think Lydia and I both lied to each other about when we took pregnancy tests and at what <laughs> stage because you do like you do it and you get a negative and you go I knew I was going to be negative like yeah. you're an idiot why did you do that yeah. and then you don't want to admit that to your friends <laughs> or your partner so yeah it is quite natural to want to do that but I think it's just knowing when to expect that can help
0: you rationale
1: yeah a little bit more
0: yeah for sure I think another thing that um you know I've learned through this journey as well is that when the first week of your potential pregnancy is (laughs) because I used to always think you know people got pregnant and they're like oh we're five months pregnant and I'll be like oh so five months ago they had sex and yeah. they got pregnant but like in reality it's not from that day of when of conception it always goes back to that day one of your cycle so don't know if that's interesting but it was to me and so it just means that when you do find out you're pregnant it's normally at that four week mark around that you're three four to weeks four pregnant. week yeah. and at that point you're four weeks pregnant even though you've only just found out yeah. because it takes it from the first day of your period yeah
1: interesting mm. fact Something that I, we already touched on, but PMS symptoms can be so similar to Yes. Pregnancy symptoms, especially for me, because I had so much work to do on my cycle after coming mm-hmm. off contraception, and then especially once starting to do acupuncture and seeing Nicola, my hormones started to really work better. So for me, I had never had sore boobs after Leading up to getting my period, so that was always mm-hmm. a thing I had in my head that if I get sore boobs, I'm
0: definitely going to be pregnant. Because yes, that's one of like, the top signs you yeah, read. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've and it's always. i I never have any <laughs> yeah. PMS.
1: Yeah. But as my hormones were changing and my cycle was sorting itself out, that started being something. And I remember being at one of our friends' house at lunchtime visiting her and her baby. And I, I went to her like, oh my god, like I've convinced myself I was pregnant mm. that month because my boobs were tingling. Like mm. they weren't sore, they were tingling. I was like, I've never felt this sensation mm. before. So there's lots of things like that. Implantation bleeding is something that you'll see talked about a lot if you do research. So around that 7 to 10 days if you get a bit of spotting you can that could be implantation bleeding. I think a lot of us get our hopes up if we do see some spotting. Mm. But again if your hormones are sorting themselves out or you're making any drastic changes in your life that could also be just yeah. something that's happening. So yeah it is just things to be aware of that can get your hopes up.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think no matter what you learn you're still going to be googling <laughs> everything <laughs> yeah. does this mean i'm pregnant could this mean i'm pregnant and then what to you... expect at seven yes. dpo what to yes, expect at eight yes.
1: dpo oh, i mean i've done that this cycle
0: and yeah. i mean
1: how many cycles i'm 16 17 cycles <laughs> yeah, into
0: yeah. this yeah Or like i'd watch youtube videos of people taking pregnancy tests at nine dpo and getting a positive so i would be like okay they, like it's possible yeah. they can get it aligned yeah. and then i'm there going yeah
1: you know that the chances yeah. are low.
0: Yeah. It's all all the fun of it.
1: <laughs>
0: so we thought we'd talk a bit about like when when should you go and seek help if you're not getting pregnant? And you know, obviously we can kind of reflect on this for ourselves as yeah. well. I think the something that I learnt that the average chance of getting pregnant naturally for a young female with no fertility issues is 25% each month. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like that's... It's the... not
1: very high. Yeah. When we talk about babies and pregnancies being miracles... Yeah. They, they literally are.
0: Yeah. And it falls to about 12% at age 37. So you know obviously it reduces as we get older the chance of it. I actually watched a video on Fertility Associates. and They just had a guest speaker on. And they were talking about how many people get pregnant within a space of time. And they said that after 12 months of trying... 85 out of 100 couples will be pregnant. For 15 couples, it's highly likely that there's a problem, and many should not wait that 12 full 12 months before seeking help, which, yeah, it's pretty crazy, eh? Yeah. And I remember hearing, actually, listening to a podcast, and it was, like, the stats about how many people are pregnant after six months. Yeah. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, I'm seven months in. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. as it happens, I was like, I just feel like something is going wrong, yeah. you know, like something is going on.
1: I definitely and we talk a lot we talked about this before hitting record today we talk a lot because of the stage that we're at where we've had to get a lot of help
0: yeah
1: we we don't think that you should run off and get help straight away it Mm. definitely takes time to learn your cycle gather information get yourself in a good position where you're feeling comfortable and empowered with your body and your partners if they're getting testing done Mm. as well before going to get help you know you've got you've got to kind of have those first few months of trying and it being light and fun and yeah. you might be educating yourself and finding it interesting like we did but mm. that, that pressure doesn't need to be on until you've really information gathered as much as you as you can
0: yeah and I think if there's some obvious things that are wrong with your cycle you know like you have really bad PMS or um spotting spotting before your period you know like bleeding
1: Having a twenty-one day cycle, having an eighteen day cycle, yeah,
0: really painful periods, really um, heavy periods, yeah, like these are all signs. And you know, as you'll you'll listen to what we've spoken about in terms of like you know what a normal kind of cycle looks like. These are the things that you can start looking into, and you can do things yourself. You know, you can go seek some natural help. With like acupuncturists or something To look into it or you know you can go To your doctor and like they can be Exploring for things like endo and PCOS And like things like that
1: There's things that you just, unless you experience So I talked to a couple people Who have found out they've got endometriosis And one of their major symptoms was Really bad pain when they ovulate You shouldn't Uh, really be feeling ovulation You might feel a twinge yeah, uh, Which is quite cool Yeah, Yeah. Seeing what side you're ovulating from uh, Mm. Feeling what side you're ovulating from but if you're feeling ovulation pain and it's really bad, that's that's not a good sign. There's all yeah. these things that can lead to further investigation because investigation also takes time.
0: Yeah. And I think the The current guidelines doctors use, and we've, well, I definitely heard this when I went to the doctor at, before that six month mark, is she said, if you're under the age of 35, wait 12 months before trying and then you can be referred on. And I think if you're over the age of 35, it's, they always say, wait six months. But, you know, if you do know something is wrong, or you have a feeling that something isn't right, or, you know, like, for me, my cycle was really normal. I couldn't, for sure, there were little things I was investigating, but nothing that was so major that should have been Preventing me from getting pregnant. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was why we started to investigate the sperm health as well. But these are all things that you can do before that 12 month mark. Yeah. I'm a good example of this. Yeah. And then I think something around that sperm test as well. When I did go to the doctor at around that six month mark or just before, she did say, oh, like she didn't, wasn't really willing to do any more tests on me. But she did say, oh, you know, I'm happy to see your partner for a sperm test at that point. So I think, you know, it's something that most doctors are pretty willing to do. And it is an easy test. It is something that you can kind of just tick off the list, hopefully. It is really hard. Like it was a a huge challenge for me to get Brent to go do a sperm test just because he was like, we need to give it more time. And so you've just got to decide what's right for the both of you. Your partner might be, it might be in no, you know, no drama at all to go and get it done early on. And yeah,
1: if that's the case, then yeah. definitely get them to do it because yeah. it's all about elimination when you're when you've been trying for six months or so yeah. and nothing obvious seems wrong then it's about eliminating things that could be wrong mm-hmm. so that you're focusing on the right things so if they're willing to go and get tested, then definitely go and do it yeah yeah, yeah. we've talked about a lot of things that probably are new information to, mm. to a lot of people like yeah. so much of it's new to us.
0: And I guess it's really hard for us to think back to a year ago on what we didn't know and what we have learned. And yeah, I guess some of what we said might have been like a bit too fast or a bit like, what? I don't understand what they meant then. But I know hopefully this is a good kind of overview of, okay, well, these are the kind of the basics of what what to know about your cycle, what to know about your fertile window, and what to know about how to do that preparation before trying to conceive. Mm. And yeah, when to know when to get help.
1: And who to go to for help? I guess we didn't touch on that too much because it is very individual. But for us personally, um, we both visited our GPs at different stages, and we—I was dealing with a fertility specialist based in Southern Cross here. So they, I have a friend that self-referred straight away because she thought she had something wrong when they started trying. So mm-hmm. you know, you may pay for that, but if you think you've got something wrong, there's fertility specialist there as well before going down fertility associates route. Uh, you've got nutritionists, you've got naturopaths, you've got acupuncturists. There's all these people that spend a lot of time researching and obviously for their job yep. that can give you a lot of valuable information and guidance because it's it's a lot. So you, you need some guidance, however that looks for you.
0: Yeah. And just have fun trying. Yeah. <laughs> you've
1: got to keep it live. <laughs> you've you've got to have fun trying, absolutely. Yeah. yeah
0: i yeah. think if you are just starting out like literally just go and have fun yeah. just really hope you don't don't get to the point that me and Chaz are at because you know we don't wish it on anyone but hopefully if if it, things are even do take a little bit of time hopefully these are some helpful tips that might help reduce that time for you yeah. just because you know you do have a little bit more knowledge now of how it all works yeah
1: and you can get that baby faster
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Also, I don't think we've said this yet, but we have an Instagram account that we are using to kind of communicate what we're planning and what we're doing and just hopefully help you all to feel better along the way. So, Infertility Sisters on Instagram.
0: Yeah, go check
1: us out. Give us a follow, and I'm sure we're at the stage now that we probably need some reviews on our podcast too. So, those are welcome. Uh, Give us all the feedback you want to and yeah, help support us, get this out there further
0: yeah thanks guys see ya